God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much. Good afternoon, everyone. It's good to be together as we take time out of our day, and, and hopefully as we even take the time to consider creation uh, hopefully we've had some time in this nice weather that we've had. And in fact, I can see some of the glow on some of your faces having spent time uh, out in this wonderful weather that we've had of late. And as Andrew shared with us today, we begin a new sermon series through the summer. We're going to be taking a look at some of the great stories of the Bible, stories worth remembering as we're referring to this series. And today we begin with the very first story of all, as, as Andrew said. And uh, when you think about it, all of life, is a story. I mean, bring two people together, and it isn't long before they start telling and sharing stories with one another. I mean, take two men in a fishing boat. Well, we know how their stories finish. Well, look at our fixation with the news. I mean, every day people check their news feeds on their computers and, and smartphones, turning on their, their televisions or, or radios, and reading a paper. And why? Because we human beings have a craving for meaning. We want to know the rest of the story. We want to know how life is turning out and where it is going. And so we say to a friend, tell me what, what has happened in your life. Tell me your story. And we sit down and try to make sense of it and try to find purpose and meaning and all the while, we're also trying to figure out our own story. Questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What does God want of me? Now, science produces some answers. But science can only offer so much. How did it all begin? Well, we're familiar. Many in the scientific world simply say it was all the result of a big accident. But according to the story that unfolds in the pages of Holy Scriptures, it is all the result of an intelligent designer. Back in 1996, astronomers focused the powerful Hubble telescope on an utterly black patch in space that was right next to the Big Dipper. And the, they left the shutter of the, of the telescope open for 10 days. And their minds were blown, the pictures that came back. 3,000 more, not planets, galaxies. Each with hundreds of billions of stars, planets, and moons. And then in 2004, they did it again. And this time they focused near the constellation of Orion and left the lens open for 11 days and discovered 10,000 more galaxies. And here you and I are, on this little blue marble, spinning in our own orbit around our own, and by the universe's comparison, our own, dare I say, little sun. 
walk into any large retail or or outlet mall and, and somewhere near the entrance you're going to find a big map. And on the map, you usually find some kind of a marker, a pointer, or a star, whatever. And and of course, what does that marker signify? You are here. You are here. The map is the big picture, and the star or the marker is where you are in the big picture. And so, as I said, here we are on this little blue marble. And when you begin to consider the big picture of the universe and just how big that picture is, it is no wonder that you and I find ourselves asking, where do I fit in? What is my purpose? Where is my place? Who am I? And why am I here? Enter God. My friends, I want you to know that God has a story to tell. And interestingly, His story is all about you and me. And this is where, uh, in the book of Genesis, we learn about God's initial interaction and plan for us as human beings. And the main point is that the God of all creation, the God who made all that we see, all that we don't see, all that we don't even know about, He made all of that because He wanted to be with us. In the beginning, the very first three words of Genesis, it's kind of like once upon a time. It's a wonderful phrase, full of promise, an invitation Once there was a king, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I mean, all really good stories start with that kind of beginning. And the Bible tells us that there is an author of life, a creator. And not only is he good, he is the source of everything that is good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, before the world began, there was only darkness. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered over the face, the surface of the deep. The kind of darkness that you experience in a cave where there is no light, where you can't even see your hand right in front of your face. And suddenly a voice shatters the darkness. Let there be light. And there was light. And the light was good. And then there was another word. Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. One from above, one from below. And the seas form. And God saw that it was good. And then the voice said, let the land produce vegetation and trees laden with fruit appear. Poppies fill the hills, rainforests, prairies in full bloom, all in an instant. And God saw that it was good. But there's still more. God opens his hands and animals spring forth. Birds of every kind fill the skies with flight and song. 
buffalo and horses running like the wind, thunder across the plains, elephants, caterpillars, peacocks, in the streams, lakes, and ocean are fish, dolphins, whales, crabs, starfish, seahorses. My friends, I want you to take a moment, not just simply today, but, but perhaps sometime this week, and just pause and think of the diversity. Think of the complexity. Step outside wherever you live, even if it's just your front yard or your backyard, and open your eyes. See the blade of grass, the leaf of a tree, the bloom of a flower. It was a good and perfect and beautiful world. Hummingbirds, kangaroos, tulips, mangoes, the Serengeti, morning mist, and God saw that it was good. Yes, God most definitely has a wonderful story to tell, and it's a wondrous story. A world made ready for wonderful, blessed relationships. Lovers and honeymooners choose places like Yosemite and Hawaii or Tuscany. But whose idea was Yosemite, Hawaii, and Tuscany? And here is where the psalmist gives voice to us all when he has a moment and ponders. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. This brings us to the dramatic words of the Creator when He said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And then the master potter scoops from the ground a mass of clay and he molds and shapes it into the very first human. And then he breathes into that human the breath of life. And by his own life-giving breath, God creates a soul, a never-ending life. And with that life, God gives freedom. The ability to love him in return without coercion. And yeah, it comes with a risk. Because if he so chooses, man could also reject God. But God wanted that love to be genuine. He wanted it to be sincere. And then as a way to provide to, for the man to demonstrate his love, uh, for God to demonstrate his love to the man, but then for the man to demonstrate his love for God, God plants two specific trees in the center of the garden where the man lived. There was the tree of life from which man could eat freely. And then there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was from this tree that the man was to show respect and honor to God by refraining from eating from it. And just as with the first man and woman, so also with each of us. This God wants us to be a part of His story. He wants to be a part of your story and mine. You see, one of the deepest human longings is the longing to belong. And the Lord said, 
It is not good for the man to be alone. You see, we are relational to the core. We long to be family. We long to love. We long to be loved. And this is the state of being for which our very soul longs. And all was well when God finished his creation. What the Old Testament refers to in the Hebrew as shalom, peace, life as God meant it to be. Once upon a time, all was well with Adam and Eve. Once upon a time, all was well with all the creatures of the earth. Once upon a time, there was no hardship, stress, tears, or sadness. And that, my friends, is how God designed it to be. God envisioned not just a good life for us, but a perfect one. A beautiful garden, an abundance of food, no heartache, no grief, no death. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Unfortunately, as the story goes, our first parents chose to listen to the voice of a creature rather than listen to the voice of the Creator. Satan, a fallen angel in the form of a serpent, led our first parents to question whether God really loved them. Yeah, he gains power over them the same way that he gains power over you and me by creating doubt in our hearts and in our minds. If God really loved you, why does he do this to you? And why doesn't he do that for you? And whispering such questions in our ears, Satan begins to lead us to think, now perhaps this God doesn't love me. Well, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil lived up to its name. Sin rears its ugly head and bites Adam and Eve. And as a result, sin and its consequences now become part of their DNA. Knowing they had done wrong, Adam and Eve even tried to hide from God. And their initial conversation with God thereafter is is so familiar because even we try to use it. Well, it's not my fault. Relationship between with God is broken. The relationship with each other is broken. And life now on this earth is not as God meant it to be. Thankfully, my friends, the story does not end there. Despite their disobedience, despite the rebellion that now marked, or the brokenness that now marked God's creation, God still longs for them. And so he takes steps to repair their love. He initiates redemption. But that redemption comes at a price. The lives initially of animals are sacrificed to cover the shame of Adam and Eve. We read how the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and and clothed them. Interestingly, this sacrifice was also a foreshadowing of a future sacrifice 
which God himself would accomplish. As the author of Hebrews reminds us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And thus, as God had promised Adam and Eve, the time came when God himself literally stepped into his own creation. As Matthew sheds light for us in his gospel account, he writes, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means, finish it for me, God with us. And his name was Jesus, because he would save us from our sins. The Apostle Paul calls him the second Adam, because his mission was to bring us back into harmony and peace with Almighty God. And thus, during his life on this earth, Jesus did many wonderful things that, I had, that identified him as the very Son of God. But of course, his greatest work of all was when even after having been crucified, Jesus rose from death and the grave and defeated that old evil foe. And in so doing, Jesus released us. He freed us from the grip of fear of death. And as the author of Hebrews also declares, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And as a result of his death and resurrection, Jesus secured the forgiveness which God promised to Adam and Eve. And he also secured it for you and for me. Blood was shed in the garden and on the cross. And now the cross stands empty. His grave also is empty. But my friends, God's hand is not empty. It is open to you and to me. He freely offers us forgiveness through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. He extends to us the Holy Spirit who enables us to believe. He pours out forgiveness in the precious waters of holy baptism. He feeds us as we shall enjoy tonight with His own body and blood in the bread and wine given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. And he draws us ever closer with the truths and the promises of his holy words. My friends, do you see what Almighty God is doing here? He is weaving your story. He is weaving my story. And he's weaving the brokenness in our lives into his story of redemption. He is making his story our story. And Jesus sums up this story in these most beloved of words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. My friends, as it was from the beginning is now and ever shall be the God of all creation wants you and me 
and everyone to be with Him. What an awesome story we have to grow and to learn in through faith. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may it keep our hearts and our minds through our faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.